Hello, hello, one and all. Welcome to the new year, 2021, which most Americans probably use to facilitate the spread of a family of highly mutable viruses. And we just want to pop champagne and forget that we're permitting global decimation and bioterrorism in the name of celebration. Very, very American thing to do, if you ask me. Uh, this is your host, Zeta Grace. You know, every time I apologize for coming in so hot, but I'm just really not sorry. I love the USA too, guys. I was just raised by a colonel in the US Army who fought in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam, experienced the beautiful skirting of the Geneva Convention that was Agent Orange in the name of democracy. He went to and taught at West Point Military Academy as well as achieving the status of Knight of the Italian Republic while at the Italian War Army College. My grandpa spent his entire later years devoted to endlessly researching everything he was originally taught. Our farmland, once lived by on the Zakaya tribe, he used to regrow the Appaloosa horse population. Every single time we plowed those fields, he unearthed arrowheads and other signs of civilized life. You know, from before the mass organization by the federal government of rehoming and virally murdering entire populations. And he also built a historical trust to relearn and re-educate the people. Specifically from a non-white and solely pro-USA viewpoint. In fact... He went through this huge phase where he bought $2 million worth of stone from a company going out of business and hired my uncle's construction company to build patios, roads, whatever he wanted. I asked for a castle. Unfortunately, I did not get it. When he learned the swastika has been used for hundreds of years by the Hindu and Buddhist faiths, amongst others, and was a symbol of good luck prior to Hitler's pathetic cultural appropriation 101, he built... (laughs) Several stone swastikas all over our farm. He enjoyed the idea that people would be confused, ask him, and that he could then explain the actual origin of it in like a reclaiming the tradition type thing. However, all of this actually did was make people think that we were the Nazis. You would think someone who was a rooftop watcher during the Blitz in London would have thought that through. I believe true patriotism means always wanting your country to be the best version of itself. If this is what you all think the best version of the USA is, a country so focused on individualism and personal achievement that we don't care, when those assholes are people climbing out of the pits of their despair by stepping on the heads of those around them, versus working like Pacha and Cusco style to propel each other out of the pit. Do fucking better. You might not always know right from wrong, but you do know when something isn't right. Stop defending the 100 different failed ways you tried to design a light bulb, and how about we work towards achieving the way that'll work most efficiently and pragmatically while also being environmentally friendly? How about that? Anyways, (laughs) weird intro. You all should expect that by now. While this is very meta, I kind of think that's the word, talking directly to you, just watch that Rick and Morty episode, 
I also want to give a special shout out to my listeners in Germany and the UK. Let's all have a moment of peace for the people who came across this blog or podcast and think it is representative of your average American woman. While I may have matched my Kirsten the American Girl doll and gone to one-room schoolhouses in full cosplay, I have since accepted that it is my purpose on this earth to wreak havoc to all of the indoctrinated beliefs we once held near and dear. It is how I channel my frustration at the lack of accountability or acknowledgement for the mass casualty events occurring daily with seemingly no awareness for the weapon of biochemical warfare that is the coronavirus. Do you all not think the wealthy leaders globally discuss population control behind closed doors? How do you enjoy being so naive to it? The topic of today's post is one near and dear to my heart as a horse girl. And it's that I don't actually believe horse girls are crazy. I just think they're connected to the circle of life, nature in general, and emotions more so than the average mind-numbingly dull American person who has blindly agreed to not express completely reasonable thoughts or feelings in an attempt to be more socially acceptable, lest they be labeled as dramatic by those with lesser minds. I'm going to weave you a tale involving a brief synopsis of my youth and random anecdotes that my ADHD-riddled brain decides are particularly useful, and important. You understand how it related after L. Woods brought up ammonium thioglycolate and how it impacted the texture of the perm, so just bear in mind that even if my musings don't immediately appear to be relevant, they are. Also, this is my show and it's my thoughts, so technically everything is relevant no matter how divergent it may appear. Growing up on a farm isn't something that I reference on my resume, though I arguably should. Anytime someone finds that out, they say it's clearly reflected in my work ethic, which is just normal for me because if you're going to do a job, my philosophy is you better do it right. However, the scientist in me also uses every opportunity for improvement as I see fit. So clearly, this does impact how much I enjoy incompetent leadership resistant to change. My grandparents started our family farm where my house, my grandparents, aunts, and uncles were all on their own individual four acres, then the roughly like 70 acres of sprawling farm, rolling hills, or swamp or wooded terrain extended behind my grandparents' house into what was called the valley. (laughs) My grandfather bought my grandma two spot, the Appaloosa who began the breeding registry, and eventually we had anywhere from 20 to 30 horses at a given time. While I was growing up and competing, we usually kept about seven or ten, including some of our boarders' horses. We also got the farm because my mom was born in Italy. She was a mistake. So my grandparents moved back from Italy and settled outside of D.C. where my grandfather was stationed at the Pentagon. And my mom was lived her entire life there. Then she went to college, came back, got married, had a house on the farm. So She had only ever lived there prior to now changing farms for my stepdad. She is also about 15 years younger than her siblings. So even though she's one of four, she was the baby and obviously an accident. So she was, or just not planned, not an accident, but not planned. Accident has such bad connotation. 
she wasn't planned and my grandparents and her raised like 20 to 30 horses at any given time. While I was growing up and competing, we usually kept between 7 or 10, including some of our boarders' horses. Now that we've moved to my stepfather's farm, with my mom shedding the weight of divorce to a narcissist, we're down to 2 or 3 at a given time. My mom obviously no longer has child labor to feed them, clean the stalls, bale hay, etc. that we provide in our youth, so she has had to take care of them single-handedly since we all went to college. This smaller amount is significantly more manageable for her. In fact, my mom's new horse just came in from Florida last night around midnight, which puts us back up at three for the time being since my childhood pony passed away last month. Now, I will acknowledge that there are many different kinds of horse people, which I will absolutely cover in a follow-up. The overarching horse person or equestrian, when I reference it, is someone who is connected to an animal that is generally physically larger than them, requires potentially a 30 plus year commitment, is expensive as fuck. (laughs) And no, I do not use my horses in the resell as an investment type. They are family members, kind of like dogs are. Although we have at times when they weren't a good enough fit. Horses are similar to the A1 chooses the wizard Harry Potter moment. A good equestrian can ride many and bond with many, but they still have their predominant favorites. Every so often you get one that spiritually connects with you in a James Cameron avatar style of understanding. Sandy, my pony that just passed, she was my spirit. And before her, it was my pony Nikki. Now, who knows? I am back in the market for animal menagerie and my personal zoo collection of creatures that understand and just embrace walking the earth with me. I grew up riding my pony through the woods, solo at times, but mainly with my other horse friend who lived up the street at her grandparents' house. Lindsay's pony, Brandy, was white and larger than Sandy, but the two mares just really loved keeping each other company. We would go out for 8 to 10 hours during the summer, wandering the power lines as far as we could, looking at the houses at the front of the neighborhood, encountering deer in the woods behind our hayfields. We swam the ponies in the pond that I grew up swimming in. Sandy even dipped her head fully underwater, which is a rarity for horses who <laughs> to actually enjoy getting their ears wet. We took off our saddles and rode bareback, jumping three six posts with ease on ponies that were smaller than the jumps. When Lord of the Rings came out and the hobbits had to embark on their long journey, I was like, finally, representation of who I am in pop culture. If my future partner does not propose to me in New Zealand as if it was the one ring forged from the depths of mortar that I deserve, I will not marry them. Simple as that. I spent most of my free time in the saddle. Who wouldn't? I had my own ponies, pretty much as many as I could want or need because my grandparents would buy them for me if I wanted to try a different outlet. Maryland is beautiful and the color of the leaves changing with each season, coupled with farmland and seclusion from the dredges of humanity reflected in the crystal oasis of the pond. It was even framed by lily pads, the epitome of a dream. I had an amazing childhood, and yes, I will still say that even with some of my references to my familial life. My life has been undeniably free, reckless, passionate, and wild. I race with the spirit of the wind around me, winding through the trails like Pocahontas. 
I ran a 5K race in my heptathlon for Pony Club, which I qualified for nationals with and won my division the first time I ever tried, while barefoot. Because it just felt better. My feet, hands, and body have been immersed in the earth. It is more natural for me to be outside and to be amongst animals, to be amongst the trees. I just feel as if I belong. Anyone who studies animals to a degree probably understands the mentality of horse people. The horses were our methods of transportation. Is it completely logical and probable that we have a horse farm in the off chance that we need to escape on horseback from something and gasoline has been rendered obsolete? Honestly, I kind of think that's why my grandparents did it. Speaking of all things gasoline, crazy how Trump has rolled back so many environmental protection laws, pardoned war criminals who paid for his own personal business, and sold bombs to Saudi Arabia. Yet that's somehow not front page news. Why are you all not more concerned about this? When you said you wanted a change of pace in a businessman, I did not think the godfather was who came to fucking mind. It's just business. No, it's people's lives, Eric. Horses are working animals. They carry you. They've carried people into battle. They've carried wagons across mountains to move our civilizations westward. They carry the plows across the fields to allow agricultural expansion and quote-unquote greater society. When you combine that with the personality of someone who wants to work to perform for you, you get a magnificent creature that taps into a new level of humanity. Humans are ultimately animals. We can plead all we want with the fact that we're so different because of our special thumbs, but we have always only made sense of the world around us with our own perceptions, which means we only explain things in ways that we know how to. It's why our languages are expanding. They're constantly fluid. It's why the invention of the internet and dispersion of education disrupted the fabric of the GOP and general political system in the USA's ability to control public perception. Humans anthropomorphize everything such that we've convinced ourselves humanity is somehow different from the other mammals that roam this planet. That we deserve to have a stronger foothold, to ignore the species we live amongst and move them at our whim, using them almost exclusively for personal gain because we have physically harnessed ways to be stronger than them. Ways to destroy their environments. Ways to force them into starvation, seclusion, and loneliness. And Americans are the fucking worst. We have veterans who will open animal rescues and exhibit wild, exotic species to the public for profit as if they are doing the animals a favor, but then won't work or devote any time to volunteering in homeless shelters, also overrun with veterans who are treated like wild, exotic animals. We rescind environmental protection orders and mobilize Native American land as if we should be entitled to destroying the earth on one side of our country for the sake of development on the opposite coast, without a care for those actually affected by the degradation. We permit SeaWorld to profit, even after Blackfish, in the name of science, even though we should be directing funding into everything science-related for the sake of curiosity knowledge of the world around us, and how to rectify the horrendous things we have done to this planet. Anyone who wants to study this world should be able to and should be able to live comfortably and know how to make that a reality. 
Why the fuck do so many people want to come out with new swimsuit lines that aren't sustainable, aren't paying American workers a living wage, or aren't using recyclable plastic? There is so much engineering opportunity within every single industry in the USA, and our government somehow won't encourage the American youth to be more conscientious, to seek out studying the planet. Instead, we let killer whales live in a shoebox, biting themselves and injuring themselves in desperate bids for freedom. Great white sharks can't even live in captivity. They would rather commit suicide and just stop swimming. Yeah, we really think we're doing a favor to the world by putting animals on display in conditions like that. We have technology at our fingertips. People don't need to be attracted to these rescues, studies, or parks any longer. We should be creating dramatic documentaries of what it means to actually work with these animals, a little less Tiger King and a little more Steve Irwin, in fun ways so people can learn about them from afar and understand why we should be respecting the natural environment. Say you're into trail running, which I also am. In the middle of the mountains on a trail winding through rock faces and pine trees, your man-made inventions may not matter. Your gun is good, sure, but is it enough? <laughs> your bear mace may fall out inaccessible, or your fingers may fumble at the latch. You may slip on a root covered in an aqueous layer of moss, tumble off the path, break your collarbone again, and die alone away from humanity. Horse people are similar. True horse people are identical. They're only connected to an animal that could easily kill them, purposefully or accidentally. By the way, True horse people does not refer to rich city girls who take lessons and pay for horses that are already well-trained. You can buy your connection to solitude, you just can't buy understanding it. Your racehorse means nothing to me when you're scared to ride it, but thanks for funding it, I guess? What a sad life to live, collecting everything without regard to its soul. A hollow shell of a life for a hollow shell of a human in way too many instances. Some people would argue what kind of sane person would get on a creature that could kill them and place their trust in it fully to not do so. A lot of those people also drive a speeding metal box on wheels at tremendous speeds amongst other people also driving speeding metal boxes on wheels at tremendous speeds and entrust those people whose languages they might not speak to not kill them as well. So... The wild is scary. It's intense. It requires a level of awareness, of perception, of clarity, acknowledgement of humanity's place on this earth. Actual horse girls are connected to the brevity of life. They've probably been thrown from their horse, alone and forced to walk miles back dejectedly, while their horse gallivants around running in circles back at the stables more times than they can count. They've probably made several emergency room visits for protocol, even when the medics will just reaffirm that we bandaged everything correctly and nothing else appears to be the problem. That, or they'll tell us what we already knew, by my sister's two-week memory loss, that it's a concussion. Really? Seriously, it was on her birthday and my mom was worried that we were going to have to rewrap all of her presents. City slickers may never understand that. People who confine themselves to the architectural safety of engineering are either not engineers themselves, who would never trust everything fully, or they're just unaware of their connection to the primal drive of humanity to explore the unknown and interact with the world around you. 
I honestly view those people sadly. It must be hard to have always grown up in the confines of a concrete jungle or not have space around you to explore. The biggest threat to your safety wasn't the random coyote or wolf sightings on your farm, the snakes that would lose their hold and fall from the raptors into your arms while you were scooping feed, the possibility of taking a hoof to the head while breaking our colt, Finnegan, like my grandfather once had, never having to really provide for yourself or rather not even knowing how. Only studying the way the world works from books or movies, secondhand. Your version of a day's work, never breaking a sweat, outside of fitness class, most minutes are planned around someone, likely someone else's, schedule over your own. Basic rules of thermodynamics involve the knowledge that spontaneity is predisposed to increase. Chaos is a ladder, remember? Shout out to Peter Baelish, go listen to my Game of Thrones episode. You can logic through life all you want. But there will always be unpredictable things sent to wreak havoc and create chaos in the timeline we're familiar with. Why would you want the only animals you interact with to be humans? Have you met other animals? Some of them are really cool and they won't pass off their unsolicited opinions on what female dolphins should or should not do with their bodies while you observe them in admiration. All I'm saying is that no matter how smart Elon Musk is, the very fact that he isn't terrified by the reality of what awaits us in space, when we can't even fathom the ways that dogs smell, is fearful. Men are so fucking one-track-minded sometimes, I swear. We arbitrarily assert there isn't intelligent life in the universe, but then only look at life in humanoid representations that operate on the same chemical scales we operate on? It's lack of imagination, truly. Actual horse people aren't afraid of getting messy either. First, farms don't exactly smell pleasant. My sister probably got teased at some point in school by her prissy bitch friends who were jealous because she used to hate feeding the horses in the morning and would spray all of this Victoria's Secret body spray on immediately upon getting back in the car. Don't get me wrong, cotton candy delight is a tasty surprise, but I honestly don't understand why some people hate it. Do you just hate the earth? Are you scared of nature in general? Please tell me why you expect life to not have a wide array of scents. Not all of them will be pleasant either, I'm not saying that. We don't necessarily need to acknowledge them, apart to characterize their identities and maybe ensure no inhalation of toxic sludge that may be detrimental to our survival. Maybe it's also because I'm an athlete, so I've always been celebrated at my sweatiest, messiest, and dirtiest. It just doesn't faze me. All it tells me if you complain is that your life has been so cushy that you are literally not used to displeasant aromas. And to that, I say, grow the fuck up. Grow the fuck up. You can't sit there and want to do anal and not consider that aspect. Do you know that most women shit themselves when they give birth? Which, for women, by the way, childbirth and pregnancy in general is one of the most dangerous times to be a woman. So, you better damn sure be next to the bed. I don't give a fuck how unbecoming it is for you to sit there and see your wife in pain. What the fuck are you doing? That is accountability 101. It's you who caused that. You better fucking be next to her for it. Any, like, aspect of not wanting your husband to see you like that? What the fuck do you think a life partner is supposed to do? Get that internalized misogyny out of here. I have had it with society. If you're allergic, I get it, and I fully apologize. It also wasn't until college that I realized it was weird in any capacity to be a horse girl. 
Coming from a rural farming area, a lot of people are either into 4-H or pony club. My mom and aunt get to judge the public speaking for 4-H and animal shows. Basically, which horse, cow, or sheep's hindquarters and chest ratio are exquisite marks of the breed. It's eugenics and the Westminster dog show for country folk. Like I said, my mom was once Queen Nicotina, the queen of the county fair, named after the tobacco plant. No, I'm not kidding, nor do I wish I was. It has been quite the adventure of a lifetime. I also, being a huge nerd and top of my class with perfect straight A's, athletic excellence in any sport, and a thirst for knowledge that made me want to read constantly and prefer my quiet solitude over team atmospheres, never doubted myself. I was (laughs) bullied significantly, but I honestly just didn't give a fuck about the opinions of others. Did I wish people would leave me the fuck alone and mind their own business? Absolutely. Did they have ponies? No. Thus, the point of their jealousy. I had every tangible method of asserting that I was quote-unquote better than them in ways that actually mattered to me, character most of all. As I say during this most humble statement, people bully you as a result of their own inadequacies. Some people do it because the people in their own lives, the ones who are supposed to show them unconditional love, think putting someone down for the things that brings them joy when they're harmless, is somehow playful teasing. If that's how you choose your time to interact with this world, I honestly just feel bad for you because it shows me you want to take however little time you have on this planet and negatively influence it. I say that as someone who was told by my friend Matt, the former Penn State football player that I'm releasing an episode with, actually talking about concussion protocol and some of the Jerry Sandusky stuff, he coined the term for me that I am non-confrontational but not submissive. So speaking up is a rather new thing to me. I am used to kind of playing by the rules, but I don't want to play by the rules for 20 more years of my life just to earn a position and show people that I was capable of doing something that I knew I was capable of doing the entire time. But other people are telling me I can't do it in the way that I want to do it. That's the difference. I'm going to stick up for the people who are different, but in a good way. Being weird isn't a bad thing. Being weird is how we get all of these cool new inventions. Isolating being weird and making it more difficult to communicate with people and focusing on bashing people for genuinely positive things that they enjoy doing, even if it's something simple like them not being a very good artist, but you just being like, oh, nice. I'm glad that makes you happy. What is so hard about that for people? I'm going to sit here and call you out and it's not me bullying people back. It's saying that accountability goes both ways. I am very critical on myself and I know that going on a platform and speaking to random strangers on the internet is terrifying. It's terrifying. It's also something that my biological father used to tell me I should absolutely not do because it was not safe. Is this an act of rebellion? Maybe. However, it's necessary. I can't sit here outside DC after this election cycle and not use the time, however little I may or may not have, to let all of my knowledge go unacknowledged for the hope that eventually I may be able to use it. That doesn't make logical sense to me. 
I think it's also worth mentioning that not caring about whether you fit in is different from not wanting to fit in. So you can still not care about whether you do in fact fit in or not because ultimately I'm not going to change who I am for a bunch of people that I don't respect or admire in any way who are mean. But that doesn't mean that those words fall on deaf ears or that it doesn't sting a little bit or hit at insecurities when bullying does happen. Even the most confident people are probably only there because they've been able to dissociate themselves from the bullying. So that's what I want to point out. I was still conscientious when I had to wear my riding clothes to middle school. The boots were much more eye-drying, clattering across the hall than my normal sneakers were. I never much had an eye for fashion either. It neither interested me nor was it practical as I was always in a different uniform or on the move as is. So my riding apparel was a stark contrast from my usual attire and made me stand out in a way I didn't enjoy. Plus when I was in middle school those cute little shirts with all of the funny sarcastic monkeys came out and I just I didn't know where to get them. We didn't go to malls. We ordered out of catalogs. Very midwestern farm people things. And also, the expensive clothes that I had were riding clothes, which were not comfortable. They were made with all of this material that I didn't enjoy. So I honestly didn't like wearing more expensive clothes. I've never, like, seen the appeal in something that doesn't have practicality just because it looks nice, you know? My mom was going to pick us up early instead of us riding the bus that day so we could make it to our lessons in Virginia. So I had to wear my riding clothes to school. I know it may be surprising to people who see the confidence in my thirst trap of an Instagram and take it to mean that I am a giant narcissist so full of herself, but I do not enjoy the spotlight. I am aware that being illuminated in a spotlight only means that there are shadows hidden in the depths of the darkness around you. Our planet is a good reminder of the cyclical nature of lightness and darkness, a good old yin and yang. You do not have one without the other. With enough time, even the darkest nights pass though. Stay in the spotlight long enough and your flaws become illuminated as the makeup caked on begins to melt with the transfer of heat. I do not wish for it. Like being extroverted, it is simply a facet of reality and living amongst society as who I am. I hopefully share more of the darkness with you all so you may understand my light does not come easily. That I make no false assumptions of perfection. But I also don't see inherent flaws in our current societal structure and have all the tools at my disposal and allow myself to silently watch as they perpetuate. I wish to make the most out of my time on this earth, however that may be, in each and every moment. I guess where I'm going with this is the moral of the story should be that it's not that now is a cool time to be a horse person, but... I'm just saying it also wasn't cool when I was younger, so all the benefits of having one and having the space and the land are pretty much minimized by the fact that you constantly get bullied either out of jealousy or by people sexualizing you in weird ways. Just saying. It's not all it's cracked up to be. I tried to minimize how many times in middle school I had to wear horseback riding attire to school itself, but sometimes I just had to do it. Truth be told, by high school, I wasn't really competing much in horses anyways. By my sophomore year, travel soccer predominated. Most of my fellow horse friends were homeschooled by high school, which just makes sense for the traveling and time commitment. 
horse people often do have more private education and not as much interaction with people outside of horse communities just because of the time. So it can be a little trickier as far as awareness of what's out there. Most of my fellow horse friends are also still involved in the profession though. Some of them are professional whips. Some of them (laughs) do rodeo stuff. A few of them are actual doctors or in their residencies and they still compete in MGAA games because their parents were to trailer their horses to them. Some competed internationally in Australia for polo cross. It's pretty cool, honestly. If I had been more serious about equestrian things, I might have taken that route or one of them. However, my love of pushing my own body physically predominated over my desire to push another's, and team sports looked better on college resumes. It was also easier for my father to showcase his genetic dominance over others within the community. In middle school, when my mom started working again and my parents realized they had never really liked each other, and my biological sperm donor of a father was never interested in a partner, he was interested in a housewife who did all the work for him so that he could do the fun stuff, it became more and more apparent that divorce was inevitable. He had never been involved in my horse events, to be fair, nor did he ever help us out with the physical work of the farm, so we just didn't expect him to. He wasn't a natural with horses, and I think animals have a grasp on narcissism and bad people more so than humans. Although, he was good with our family dogs, so I do not think my biological father is a full-blown psychopath. But you can have many of these traits that serial killers and war criminals also have. There's a sense that animals develop. It's part of what makes writing so intense. The truly skilled are able to tap into a mental connection in a way that understands the beast beneath them. It's a transfer of energy between yourself and the creature. They can sense your movement, your blood flow, your emotions, the way your body tenses that you may be impervious to until your instructor points it out. To be a great equestrian, you have to know yourself as intimately as you know the horses. And you have to trust yourself. Most people, in my experience, don't like themselves and aren't willing to admit that in order to change. That, or they aren't willing to compromise the walls of the houses built around them to live their freest, fullest life of adventure. A life of calculated risk, of learning and understanding and exploring the earth, of embracing the beauty, the grace, reality, and the risk of nature, of humanity just being another animal. A cool animal, nonetheless, but just another animal. Being connected to the earth is something that just comes natural to actual horse girls. It only makes it weird with the impassioned existence of East Coast USA mentality. An area that fetishizes the use of riding crops on horses as if a lot of people who had never had exposure to horses aren't as equally interested in BDSM. Horse girls get a bad rep just because they're able to put a creature physically larger than them in its place. And our society does nothing to protect women and tries to eviscerate strong women at every step. Look at how we replaced RBG with Amy Phoney Barrett, who will probably succeed in repealing and undermining every fucking contribution of that woman's life. I did not intend to die on Capitol Hill, but if I must venture into public policy because of the sheer incompetence and pathetic charade of our current choices, so I will. It's kind of surreal, the preclude to Gilead, but every tale must have a beginning. Horse people have seen and have been able to take some of the most abused, neglected, and saddened animals you've ever imagined. Feed, nourish, love, and explore with them. 
giving them back their purpose of wandering amongst the trees, bathing in the waters, wandering the sand that their primal origin belongs in. Before humans began trading them for show, yet another method of weaponizing ornaments to society, of admiring the beauty, the strength, the magnificence, yet wanting to confine it to your own terms. Studying any animal species, particularly ones that have been domesticated, if you treat something like a wild, feral animal, it will likely act like a wild, feral animal. <clears throat> Maybe we should reform our prison population. Just saying. There should never be for-profit prisons. What the fuck are you profiting from? If you're hesitant of certain creatures, if you don't respect their space, if you don't learn the patience and that you may not be entitled to its trust, if you don't learn how to enjoy observation over experience as appropriately, you will not succeed in the animal kingdom. Yet, we deviated from natural selection a long time ago. We use penicillin so much we've created super gonorrhea and multi-drug resistant bacteria, once studied by Soviet Union era scientists hoping to create a chimeral weapon of biochemical warfare, Childbirth is coming so far that C-sections may be medically safer in the default method over natural birth in a hospital setting soon. We label poisonous substances with warning labels and have national hotlines to prevent worsened morbidity or increased mortality rates. Then you just want to disregard listening to scientists arbitrarily? You think you can just pick and choose when science matters because the reality is we can pick and choose when the things you've tied your identity to matter? Most of you fail to interact with any other species of animal on a regular basis, and you wonder why you have so much cognitive dissonance, why, no matter how much money you sequester, you can't fill the empty void that there's more to life. You convince yourself it's worth it to work entire lives in barren buildings under artificial light. For me, it honestly was. I loved working before sunrise to after sunset in a surgical setting because I genuinely enjoyed the work. However, I also knew it was temporary. I also was immediately working in the aftermath of my car accident, and the monotony of the days working on my feet learning new skills was soothing for my recovery. Even if my seasonal depression was a little worse than usual, seasonal depression, turns out, isn't so intense after full-scale depression takes over, so tomato, tomato. Do you think I can do that in po potato, potato? Anyways. My love of medicine likely stemmed from a few things. One, my alcoholic farming family, which I'd like to point out, alcohol was often cheaper and safer to drink because we don't require the federal government provide methods of safe, potable drinking water. Here, here, Flint, Michigan. So alcoholism and bottle of choice is related to class structure, cultural implications, and systematic legislative cycles. Imagine that. Two, my second pony and uh, one of the loves of my life, he had squamous cell carcinoma skin cancer. He had it when we got him, though we didn't know what it was, and his original owners claimed they didn't either. But it was still two glorious years of friendship and love. And we took him on a monthly basis to an animal hospital in Leesburg that used chemotherapy, likely in a way tied to a research university to test prior to trials in humans, come to think of it. The third reason, growing up with three generations of my family around me, 
I watched both of my maternal grandparents die. My grandma's palliative care journey as lung cancer turned to bone cancer, which caused her to be bedridden and ultimately succumb to pneumonia. I was right next to her for that. Did none of you fuckers crying about that coronavirus being listed on death certificates ever ask questions at funerals? Did you just avoid funerals? Have you ever gone to one? It's no wonder I spent my undergrad doing oncological work at MD Anderson and the lab that helped influence the GlaxoSmithKline partnership with UNC's research hospital. We were on the third floor of the newest building, which was beautiful set up for a lab. I was truly spoiled. Not to mention, I was published in Nature Chemical Biology with my very first work. Where does a girl go from there? Peer-reviewed journals? Fuck it, I'll start a podcast. Then, focusing on cancer epidemiology in grad school, my German professor who competed in the Olympics for high jump, predictable by his tall willowy frame, said he wasn't sure where my place in science was, but he was excited to follow it. Aren't we all? The fourth is the many, many funerals of classmates who overdosed purposefully or not who were unfortunately capable of completing suicide, two of which, again, were in August, one of whom was one of my horse girlfriends, actually, the second woman of my small pony club circle to shoot themselves out of existence, one of many with either mental health or substance abuse issues, just like our normal society. Horse people are more likely to be country people and are also more likely to therefore own guns and or hunt. The concept of mortality is often overwhelming without access to proper and affordable health care. Guns are quick and easy. I've also seen patients who manage to blow off half of their faces and not die, though, in psych units. They spend their lives searching for a new meaning and are almost always thankful that they lived. Did it take them coming to the brink of death to maybe realize that? Sure. Western medicine can be incredible, but we have to know that people are hurting and we have to be able to reach them. We also have to be able to welcome them back into a warm society and make life easier when it's well within our abilities to do so. Living on a farm is the Nature is Metal Reddit page brought to life. As much beauty as there is, it's the culmination of every minute of physical labor, every moment of attention to detail, every day of building on repetition. I experienced a lot living on a farm. I slept in the barn for two months in February on a cot because horses typically give birth at night and Nancy, our experienced broodmare, yes, she was named after Nancy Drew, my true crime and strong independent female obsession starting in my youth, she would likely give birth before the vet could be called unless there were complications. Watching Finnegan grow into his Irish draft glory was remarkable. Even if there was a period where he would rear and buck and potentially kill us while we were weaning him. <laughs> Toddlers, am I right? I also watched Skunk, our boarder's horse, get his eyelid caught on a water bucket. It was dangling off. It was as disgusting in person as I know hearing that was. So no, I've never understood hiding reality from children. I don't get the benefit of it, personally. Maybe it's because I've never had the option of whether I could grow up and not learn about death, military family and all. Maybe it's because even when I was in France with Ellen Atticus, we had to calmly explain why the military patrolling the train stations with their AR-15s were normal, and Atticus was only two. Maybe it's because I later also had to pull off into the door of a Parisian apartment as riot-gear-clad military police marched towards the protests we were trying to evade our third year back for summer vacation, when Atticus was four, and when we celebrated Ella's seventh birthday at the carnival in the gardens across from the Louvre. 
All I'm trying to say is Vin Diesel in The Pacifier has absolutely nothing on my nannying skills. Why do we go to the trouble of hiding the horrors of the world from children, of keeping them naive to it, just so it further oscillates those their age who might have to go through it silently? What good does it do to tell them to focus on only the good in such a way that they never learn coping mechanisms for the inevitable bad? You can't have one without the other. Dulling that reality only benefits yourself. It makes it easier to parent. They learn a false comfort with the world, their perceptions skewed, crafted for comfort. That isn't reality. Horse people, but particularly horse women, are strong. They're usually a little wild, yeah, but I personally don't see the negative in refusing to succumb to the meticulously elite and corrupt standards for elegance that we glorify as desirable. Sorry that I have no interest in people who appear so bland that they don't live, whose bodies aren't covered in scars because they've never had to push their bodies, or maybe they just never fell on a quarter in sheer bad luck. Priding themselves on purity in its various forms, who can only understand mental solitude in a room full of people that they claim to know but don't share anything of meaning with who are scared to face the reality of a combination of mental and physical solitude in such a way that you could disappear from the earth without a trace, deviating from all of your plans with some unexpected accident. And it may take a while before anyone were to go looking for you, if ever. It's weird to imagine people who can find actual enjoyment in the fine arts, the result of channeling thousands of hours of pain and raw emotion, into performance when they themselves don't truly know struggle. Is this why people seek out art? It should evoke emotion, sure, but do you lack emotion otherwise? How sad a life it must be to only feel released during special weekend date nights. Why do you shun the things that make you feel? My unwillingness to ignore finding a range of emotions every day and not dismissing the overwhelmingly morbid because it makes my highs that much more appreciated should not make me weird. Being connected to the earth like Pocahontas when she was singing Colors of the Wind and embracing the beauty of nature and fighting fiercely for more sustainable conservative lifestyles of less consumerism should not make me radical. Horse girls is just an overarching way of saying independent women who don't accept inappropriate behavior for their own safety and take it upon themselves to address it, which is obviously weird in the United States and our fucking Sunday sermons reminding women to be submissive. Our tax systems that allow singlehood to be financially treacherous and almost unattainable. Our method of policing, which is incredibly invasive and psychologically devastating. And the statistics are skewed against us, so most people in general never come forward with sexual assault or domestic violence accusations. They excuse them because he's a good man in the community and he's under a lot of pressure at work as they pray away the guilt and fear and hope with time it will sting less. That, or they refuse to acknowledge it's problematic because they're scared of being labeled a victim and of being associated with weakness. Bullshit. It requires a lot more fucking strength to confront your abusers than it does to excuse them. Forgiveness now takes even more strength, but some of us either aren't quite there yet or think forgiveness should also entail holding them accountable, speaking about it freely because it affected you and continues to, Not because it makes the abuser feel like a piece of shit to realize the extent of their actions, which, 
fucking good. Actions have consequences. You can't just pray them away again. Or acknowledging that you were a victim subjects yourself to victim blaming. People who want to find the good and in doing so discredit the reality or ignore the truth until it's beating down their door and someone has to constantly repeat the worst things they've faced because they're tired of people not fucking believing them. Saying their life isn't hard because they see these perfect outward products, glimpses of happiness, and their search for life to ultimately be good because it has to be in their mind and they're too terrified of the alternative is so limited that they failed to realize the entire premise of Inside Out was that you can't have those glimmers of happiness without the hell. You can't have the joy without experiencing the caverns of loss, of sadness. Acknowledging sadness doesn't have to be met with disdain, even if it was your hand that dealt it. It's fucking hell to live in this country and watch the stupidity surrounding me with access to proper education, a holistic worldview, and the awareness of the importance of change. Your guilt, because most of you know that you're either wrong, have committed horrifically wrong acts that you're now worried will catch up to you, slowly but surely, is clouding you from growth. True freedom is running wild and not letting your own ego interfere with your growth, which is not an easy task. It's constantly learning from the world around us, which is exhausting. It's knowing that across the animal kingdom, certain species belong amongst their own kind. Certain species are more submissive. Certain species are dominant, alpha, but in refusing to adapt, have destined themselves to lives of solitude. Didn't we all see how Kerchuk ended up in Tarzan? Come on. Certain species mate for life. Others are destined to roam. Others forming symbiotic partnership and harmony as a product of either being transplanted into unknown territories or just unexpected friendships. Others observe, far above it all, following the wind and then feeding off the carcasses of the dead. Horse girls are connected to it all because they're constantly connected to a living, breathing being that is physically larger than them but can be taught to move in unison. They're more in tune with the earth, with the knowledge of humanity's place on this planet the small blip that we are in the grand scheme of life, the perspective of how small humans are, how insignificant, yet also how destructive. American men just don't understand emotion. They've only been allowed to outwardly care about cars and football. Football, a sport only other U.S. citizens play, very ethnocentric, I know, that encourages predominantly black men to exhibit brute force to maul each other on an illuminated stage for the entertainment of a predominantly white audience with absolutely no regard to the reality of how they're damaging the one organ that supposedly sets us so apart from other species. And you don't see how football is completely dehumanizing, how the NFL is a modern-day slave factory content on putting out and showcasing actual violent offenders on a national stage as role models, all because they can catch a ball in some really cool way. Re-examine your beliefs. Yes, fantasy football has allowed your friends to get together every year and pretend to have power over people so that you can stomach your bullshit capitalism jobs a little bit better for a few weeks, but it's just tradition. Care about each other as men and male friends that much normally. We have been completing autopsies on players from 40 to 50 years ago, you know, since a lot of football players only even live until their 50s, and their brains are mush. 
Do you know how dangerous this is for our society? When multiple head traumas are tied to violent crime and particularly serial killers, we have people who actually host dogfighting rings and parade them with multi-million dollar contracts as role models for children. We have people who abuse their spouses over and over again, including publicly. If they're that rough in person, they are far worse behind closed doors, and I say that from experience. We have people who drive drunk who we just continue to give a national platform for. We have people who would never do any of the community service that teams would do if it weren't organized by somebody else. These brains we're re-examining, that was before helmet protocol changed too. Before we started ducking our heads and made the head the hardest part of your body, so you just use it as a battering ram in a real trust the equipment mentality. The NCAA and NFL would realistically go bankrupt if and when actual studies were able to be conducted from a third party who could not be intimidated into submission and was backed by the national government for everything that is surely to come related to head trauma and concussions. They know it's problematic. They don't care. We don't need to put the finger at lead and gasoline when we actively encourage unsustainable sports that deviate so fucking far from the Olympic mentality of fostering togetherness, although it does highlight a certain aspect of specialization, as in there's a special teams or place for everybody, that really encapsulates how your skills may transition into corporate America structure. Functional fitness is cool. Fitness and team sports in general are cool. When they facilitate the basic things sports are supposed to facilitate. Crazy things like teamwork, facing adversity, and, I don't know, health. Don't even get me started on the whole cars thing. Men love to name every automobile, missile, nuclear weapon, and war machine after women. You understand the intensity, the strength, the power. Stop kidding yourselves. Go play lacrosse if you want to hit someone with a purpose. Also, what the fuck is women's lacrosse? All of the midfielders from soccer who enjoy running just dominate. Please give them shoulder pads. They can handle it. I promise you. Better yet, play lacrosse on horses like I do if you really want to challenge. Nothing like the threat of onward collision with a thousand pound animal of sheer physical strength and stamina to heighten the experience. This is why I'm not scared of you men. My nonchalance and dissonance is the result of, coupled with my own history of sexual assault and related trauma, my horse background. I've literally been knocked down and stomped on by a giant black draft horse that looks like something Sauron would have ridden into battle. I do not think I'm weird just because I'm not the submissive type of woman we encourage with our Christian repression and undertones in this country. Which... Is it really an undertone if our Supreme Court even ruled in the 1800s that we were a Christian nation? No, we need to move away from that. As much Christian background as my own family had, at least they were military transplants from Missouri, so we had the Midwest gender role breakdown that encompasses farm work. Doesn't matter who's bailing the hay, just matters that it gets done. Maybe, just maybe, if more American men were actually connected to the earth, capable of being vulnerable and handing someone else the reins to guide them, knowing doing so may enable the adventure of a lifetime, maybe horse girls wouldn't seem so fucking weird. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this. Like I said last episode, I'm pretty sure I should start saying that, slash also plugging myself a little bit. 
to all of you who are new. My name is Zeta Grace. You can find me on Instagram if you're not completely turned off by the fact that Instagram has only become a series of sponsored ads, not anything that you actually care about. I'm at Z-E-D-A-G-R-A-C-E. That's Zeta Grace. I also am going to use this opportunity to plug my Venmo, same name, Z-E-D-A-G-R-A-C-E. Even if you know, just have a dollar or two to throw at me, feel free to. I will always appreciate it. I'm trying to make this profitable by crowdfunding, like a GoFundMe page. Or an OnlyFans, which I... Honestly, one of these days I'm just going to set up one for my feet because they're beautiful and I get lots of random men in my Instagram DMs about them. And when I do, and when I try to market it discreetly, I don't want to hear anybody that I know publicly acknowledge it. Alright? It's just going to be something we leave unaddressed. Anyway, send me a few dollars on Venmo if you actually enjoy listening to me ramble fairly unhindered. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy whatever your 2021 is looking like. Slide in my DMs, tell me how funny or deliriously deluded I am, and just be aware of your presence on this earth. Thanks. I'm out.